We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now here's here's where it gets run. I don't have any other position groups on the team right now as of April 4th in that category of championship driver or key part to a champion. Where they are is all is, is right now to me is a, sort of a they're not there yet to varying degrees. And so we're going to go position by position and talk about why we don't have these position groups in sort of that championship caliber or key driver to a championship category, but also discuss, do we think they're capable of it? Cause that's the key, Ryan. Like last year, there were parts of Georgia's team that you say, but I'm just not sure if that unit is going to be there. Ohio state had that linebacker going into last year was not a key ingredient to this team making a jump, but no. you know what linebacker ended up being pretty good last year for Ohio state. So there's Very always good. that somebody's going to emerge and step up if you're going to take that next step. And the thing that hurt Ohio State is some other positions didn't step up enough and take that jump. Secondary being one, especially the corners, didn't make that kind of jump. And and so to me, that's kind of where Notre Dame is, is, is what which of these groups can get there and what's the margin for error for them getting there? Because that's an important piece of this too, is if, if you're not in that category and you need everything to go right for that position to get there, it's not going to get there because sure. nothing ever goes perfectly right for a football team. Well, rarely. I would say LSU 2019 kind of was as close that you've seen where just like everything hit that you needed to hit for that team to take off. But like last year, Georgia, there were positions on Georgia last year where you're like, you know what? That group just never quite got there, but it was good enough because how good other areas were. It wasn't a detriment. And right now, I think Notre Dame has a lot of areas that, that can kind of get to there. Let's start off on offense, Ryan, because there's only one offensive position left which is ironic considering that Notre Dame's defense has been its driving force in recent seasons. But I just have a lot more question marks there uh, right now than I did before because most of the people that were responsible for building the defense are, are not responsible for building the defense right now. And that's wide receiver for me. Now, right now, the wide receiver room to me is a combination of a lot of talent but not a lot proven. 
And to me, it's hard for me to say that that position group is is there now. It's hard for me to, in good faith, argue that that's the case. Now, I could sit here, and, and we'll talk about why we think it'll get there, but I could sit here, Ryan, and, and say, hey, listen, um, here's my spin. Bunch of top former top recruits, highly ranked guys, top 100 recruits. They've shown potential. Lorenzo late in 2021. You know, Dion late last year, Caleb Smith was an all ACC guy at Virginia Tech, Jane Tom. I mean, I could give you every kind of spin in the book to say, no, 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 they're, they're, they're there yet, but they're not there yet. And that's, that's the fact. There's nobody that I can say right now, if the game is on the line, there's no doubt in my mind that that guy's going to go out and make a play in a playoff game. There's nobody that you can say is that guy right now because we haven't seen him do it in, in any kind of circumstance like that. But what I will say, Ryan, is the reason that I'm optimistic about this group jumping into that next category and eventually in a couple years potentially being a driver is because the talent is there. Yes, It's a very deep room with a very diverse skill set, especially if you're going to start counting Chris Tyree as a potential wide receiver because he brings such a unique skill set. So wide receivers, the position group that I say right now, they don't belong in those top two categories. They have a lot of show me with this group, but I'm very optimistic that they're going to be there. And part of it is, Ryan, the talent. The other part of it is, what are they facing every single day in practice? A group that we did say is a driver to a championship caliber team, which is the cornerback room. That yep. combination right there, Ryan, has me very optimistic about the receiving core. But I just can't in good faith, if, I'm, if we're being honest in our analysis, say that right now, they belong in one of those top two categories. They don't because Georgia last year had guys like Ladd McConkey had proven themselves. They had some other guys that had kind of stepped up and, and had shown a little bit more than what that unit did, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, and I think that for me, when I look at this wide receiver unit, the reason I am very optimistic about it is something that you hit on already a little bit is that going into 2022 season, you're like, yeah, we got Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather is now in for the fall, Jaden Thomas. You're like, you have a, you, you think that a couple of those guys will hit, right? Like you had a feeling that a couple of those guys would hit. This season, Add in a whole lot more depth is the biggest thing, right? Like Rico Flores, Jane Greathouse, Braylon James. Even if guys don't hit as much as you would like, there's still a higher odd that you'll get enough 
playmakers on that wide receiver unit because you just have more numbers. You have more depth. You have more bodies to work with. So I'm more optimistic about it, the 2023 version, compared to 2022 because you also did see nice growth late in the season with guys like Deion Colsey, with guys like Jaden Thomas, and even you know Tobias Merriweather was hurt, but even you saw a glimpse of what he can do as a football player in his lone catch of the season. So there's a lot of upside to the position, but to your point, and I think it's a major point, is that you can't quite put them in that category yet because the leading receiver for Notre Dame this year that was on Notre Dame's football team in 2022 had 300-something yards receiving. That's the fact of the matter. If you want to count Caleb Smith that had over 600 last year for Virginia Tech, we can do that. But there's a possibility that Caleb Smith isn't even a starter right. on the roster. So like and, not, not- and not every single receiver, Ryan. It, it, that's a position where you don't always see the same production doesn't always translate. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't always translate. And so it, – it, it, again, we, we said that about the quarterback room, right? And we're going to say that about this room. It doesn't always it doesn't always translate. And sometimes the production may be better, but the overall play is not better. Jermaine Burton, for example, produced more at Alabama than he did at Georgia. He wasn't as good, right? And so that's kind of the key is, to your point, he did that at Virginia Tech on a bad team where there was no pressure. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean he's going to be able to do that at Notre Dame. That's like and, that's like the yeah. that's like the Kevin Love thing when he was at Minnesota with the Timberwolves, right? Like everyone's like, "Oh man, that's a top five player in basketball," and then he goes to a good Cavs team where you're like, "Ah, maybe he's just a good player that was on a really bad team." Like that's kind of right. the difference there. So talent is there, Ryan. And for people that love star rankings, do you know how many of the players that Notre Dame had right now that are in the receiving depth chart that were three star players currently on the roster? The answer is one, and it's the guy that was an All Conference receiver in the ACC Gale's last right. year. Gale. Yeah. You know, the rest of those guys were very highly ranked four-star caliber players. So uh, no matter how you spin it, Ryan, there's talent there. Sure. It just – it has a lot to prove to me. It, it, Deion Colsey's got to prove to me that he can he can kind of turn the, the juice up a little bit, right? Tobias has got to prove to me he can be consistent. Um, Lorenzo's got to prove to me that he can get out of his own way. If he has, Like if Lorenzo comes out and has two great games but then has a bad third game, I'm now worried if he's going to go in the tank again. He's got to prove to me that he's not going to do that. Uh, Jaden Thomas has to prove to me he can be more than just a steady complimentary guy. You know, those things are all there. There's a lot to prove. But if you're going to have a lot to prove, I want to have a group that, to me, at least has talent. Yes. And that's where you want to be. And that's going to be true for a lot of these positions, Ryan, that we're about to talk about. Is there's talent. It's just there's a lot of question marks that need to be answered if we're going to honestly, if we're going to have an honest conversation about where Notre Dame is. Because we, we could take the... We could take the max potential of all these groups, Ryan, and put all of them in the first two groups if we wanted to. We yep. could, and we could totally homer it out the rest of the show. And, and wide right? receiver would be very high on that list. Very Absolutely, because yeah. I could point to recruiting. Ra- I could, I could use contradictory arguments to the, to what I normally. Oh, I could point to. Well, look at the recruiting rankings. Well, I, I don't believe in recruiting rankings. Once you get to college, you got to show yourself to be that guy. Yep. We could do a lot of spin to get there, but the fact of the matter is, is the production is not. The, the proven production is not there. Here's something we've said all along. Production potential does not win you games. Production does. Yes. Right. Execution does. The potential is there for this group to be outstanding. Now they have to go prove it. I'm excited about seeing this group. I think a better quarterback is going to help that a ton. Cause you and I could point to a lot of game film, Ryan, you and I watched all 22 of every game Notre Dame played last year, except for one. I was at that game. So I was able to see it. Now, South Carolina, 
the the receivers were getting open the second half of last year consistently. The yeah. ball just didn't come to them. That's another reason why I'm optimistic, and another reason you could you could spin it into a why they believe belong in the second category. If if we were going to try to spin that, is hey, look how many times they were open. But I'm not going to spin it that way because I don't know if they would have caught the ball. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things, there's so many what ifs, but that's the whole point, Ryan. There's still too many what ifs with this group. The more they can eliminate the word potential from the conversation about the receivers, the better I'll feel. Final piece. I feel a lot better about this group taking that next jump because of the position coach. I think Chancey Stuckey now has two years under his belt of taking a group that was okay and making it fundamentally better. And when I when I talk about receipt coaching receivers, there's two key ingredients to this. Number one is you got to be someone who, who can build mental toughness because it's a very it's a position that requires mental toughness. You're on an island with the ball in the air a lot, and it's a it's a position that requires a coach that can teach the fundamentals of the game. I think Chancey Stuckey has proven that he can do both of those for the most part, and if he can really do that with Lorenzo Styles, that's going to be the thing that really takes this group to the next to the next level. But uh, the fact is that there's a coach there that I have confidence in that, yes. that has even again, small track record, but I'm a lot more optimistic. They're going to get there than I would be with some other positions. In my, I mean, he brings a great perspective, right? Like he brings a great perspective. You, you talk about when he was one year at Baylor, Baylor made a nice run that year, man. Like they were a really good football team. Obviously he was a Clemson tiger for a long time. And he experienced obviously some very good moments during his career played in the NFL, like he brings so much to the table from just an experience level, which I think that every recruit I've talked to kind of points to that a little bit, you know, as far as like the sharing of experiences is like a big thing, you know, and like that even goes to a personal level, not as much as, you know, a professional level. But I mean, even so, man, like the wide receiver unit, I think from a technical perspective, took a big step forward. I mean, you look at what the one year he was at Baylor, they went from not a very productive room to Tyquan Thornton going in the second round and RJ Snee turning into an all-conference caliber football player at Baylor. Like, he's he's done that, man. Like, he has done that. The Estrada kid that was their third receiver at, at Baylor was like a, a – a, a Dartmouth Ivy or something. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. Like Dartmouth, I think, is where he came from. Something, something like, like that, that right? man. Yeah. Like, he was an Ivy League kid, and before you know it, he's like a solid contributor at Baylor in the Big 12. It's like he hold has – Hold on, hold on. Let's let's be real clear about that, Ryan. I, yeah. I want to I draw that all the way out. Yes. A kid who was a key contributor at Baylor who won a Big 12 championship and beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Yes. Right? So it wasn't like they were some 7-6 and six football team. Yeah. To your point, to add to your point, he was a yeah. – I mean, he didn't put up big numbers, but he was a clutch player for them. And a kid and came every, from the Ivy League, yep. a, a skill player from the Ivy League. It's one thing to get like a nose tackler, a punter, kicker. Notre Dame has done that. But to get a skill player, wide receiver that's contributing on a on a Big 12 title team, yeah, that, that shows me something. That absolutely shows me something. That is a fact, right? And then the other fact is, is Brian, Tyquan Thornton is an incredibly talented player. I mean, he ran 4-2-something at the combine, right? But the fact of the matter is, is the year before Coach Stuckey got there, he had like 18 catches. That's a fact, right? He took him from an 18-catch guy with potential to being a second-round draft pick in the NFL. That's a fact. That's right. a fact. He got Jaden Thomas out of an early-season funk in his first year at Notre Dame. That's a fact. Lorenzo Stott, uh, he got Deion Colsey to be a much more confident version of himself down the stretch of the season. That happened. Braden well. Lindsay. Braden Tremendous Lindsay. technical improvement as, as a fifth-year guy. We, we have Yes, we have seen – I mean, Braden Lindsay was as confident as we've ever seen him sure. during that 
season. Like he was very, he had some swagger about him. Now the next step is obviously year two, right? Like natural development that needs to happen. It's not good enough. Obviously it needs to keep going. And I think Lorenzo Styles is going to be a great litmus test for just how good yeah. Coach Stuckey is as a motivator, man. If he can pull him out, then you're like, oh, yeah, we got something special here, man. He, he is special. an example of what I've always said, Ryan, which is this. If one or two guys at a position is having an issue, it's on the player. I've always said this. If a, a, a Lorenzo Styles battling mental blockages as a receiver – right whether it's focus or confidence or whatever you want to be that was a that was a, a an issue that was unique to lorenzo yes. and when a position is unique to a specific player it's usually on the player when i get critical of a coach is when it's a position wide problem that was an issue with the offensive line under coach quinn that was an issue with coach alexander and the wide receivers that was an issue with brian van gorder and and that was an issue with the linebackers, for example, last year with Al Golden, which is why we've been so critical of Al Golden as a as a position coach and the way that he's running his defense. So those are aspects of it to me that I look at and I say it's it's unique to him. Now I think you're also right that if he can really get Lorenzo going, that adds so much to this room because I do I, think it has a chance to be a really really good unit. But they've got to prove a lot, Ryan. Sure. And, and I think for Lorenzo, too, it's very interesting because, you know, the year that he just went through could have been very easy for Lorenzo Styles to be like, I'm out of here, man. Like, I'm out of here. Yeah. There has to be belief in Coach Stuckey that, like, this guy can get the best out of me. Like, I can get back on track. There has to be some type of belief in that. Will it happen? I have no idea. But I think it's positive signs that we're looking at. And I can look at it and say – that we are seeing some proof that there is at least belief in that room, man. That room came back and is intact and everyone stayed and they look like they're ready to go outside of obviously Brayden Lindsay, you know, graduating and Joe Wilkins moving on. Like they, they've maintained the cohesiveness this off season. So I think there's some belief in coach Stucky, which has me fired up, but to your point, got to see it on the field, man. Need to see a couple guys break out. I think they can, but it's until it happens, it is unproven. Let's move over to the other side of the ball, Ryan. Yep. I think I'm being a little bit unfair with the def having the defensive line here, but I just feel comfortable having them here for two reasons. Number one is the guy that developed the consistently good offense defensive lines in recent years is not there anymore. The right. guy that replaced him has a lot to prove. Now, I'm willing to give Coach Washington a pass as a coach last year, and I've said this. As a recruiter, not getting a pass. As a coach, I'm going to give him a pass because – I think the success that Mike Elson had was a detriment to Al Washington last year. What I mean by that is I think there were several veterans that just refused to buy in to what he was trying to do, which yeah. kept him from getting the whole unit to play where it needs to play. I'm willing to give him a pass on that. I think that's fair to say that, right? Mm -hmm. But so, but but part one is, but he still needs to prove to me that he can coach that kind of unit. He didn't do that at Ohio State or Michigan. He, he didn't coach units that were great. Matter of fact, Ohio State's linebacker position was a lot worse in 2021 with him coaching it than they were in 22 when he wasn't coaching it. That could just be a coincidence, but it's something we ha he has a lot to prove to me. I'm just not – my point is I'm not holding last year against him. Sure. We're, he this I'm giving him a clean slate when it comes to coaching the defensive line this year. But like we just talked about receiver, I need to see it. The other part is, is you you lost some veteran players that are very good players, and we're going to have the same conversation about the defensive line that we are going to have about 
the de- about the wide receivers. The talent is there for it to be a very good group this year, a very good group. But right now, we're talking all potential with this. De- P- Riley Mills could be a really good player. Uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste could end up being a really important, huge transfer for Notre Dame. Jordan Patelho has a chance to be a really dynamic pass rusher. Josh Burnham, Junior to Alamaca, the incoming freshman, Jason Onye. All these guys have the tools to be really good. None of them have proven that yet in college. And, you know, so when we talk about, like, tight end, yeah, we're taking a bit of a leap because the production isn't there. But the track record of the position is there. I don't think the track record here is the same because of the 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 really good D-line play was in a short window. The guy that was responsible for that is gone, coordinator and position coach. And the production isn't there. So it's another position group where, Ryan, it's easy to get excited about the potential. And I am very excited about the potential. But if we're being honest and sitting down and saying we're 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 trying to look at it as as analytical as we can to give honest assessments to everybody, it's a it's a show me position. I'm excited about it, but I can't put it in one of the top two categories until I see that Jordan Patello can do what he did against South Carolina consistently. Until I can see that Riley Mills can go from a guy that flashes for four or five games a year to a consistent like if I could take Riley Mills' best three, four games last year and put those and project those out to an entire season, he's really good. But he hasn't done that yet. Right. He's got to show me he can do that. If I if I can say, well, if you take Javante Jean Baptiste's pass rush production the last two years and project that out to 350 snaps, it would equal X. But the reality is he hasn't done that. Right. He hasn't played that. I mean, I would argue the guy that we know the most about is Howard Cross. Yes. And and so to me, this is a position group that also belongs in the, they're not there yet. But I do believe it has the potential to be somewhere in category two. I'm I'm not sure if it can be in category one, to be honest with you. This team is going to be determined by how close you can get to that level, though. That's right. that's really going to be a make or break for this team, whether they're going to be a really good 10 and 2, 11 and 1 type team that maybe gets to the playoff at 11 and 1, but has a similar result to what we've seen when they get in the playoff in the past or a team that can get to the playoff and give those teams every single bit of a battle for four quarters, I think the position that's going to have a lot to do with that is going to be this one right here, is the defensive line. How much of the potential turns into consistent production? It's going to be huge, even more so than wide receiver, in my opinion. I, I think that this group I would I would categorize as tantalizing a little bit, Brian. Like, you've seen glimpses of it, right? Like, you mentioned Jordan Botello in the bowl game. You've seen it, right? You've seen – there's a couple of known commodities on this defensive line, but there's a lot of guys that are going into roles that is just an unproven quantity at this point, right? Like you don't know what it's going to look like in this specific role. Howard Cross is the only guy returning to the same position that you can look at and say, that's going to be a good football player, man. Like that is 100% going to be a good football player in that You role. know what the floor is for him. Exactly. Riley Mills – Yes, he's played a decent amount of football. He was a starter last year, but he's playing a completely different position than what he started at the majority of the year last year. Completely different position. What does that look like on a full-time basis? I think it could be really good, but I haven't seen it. I don't know yet. I think it could be good, though. Javante Jean-Baptiste 
played a decent amount at, at Ohio State the last few years, but you've never seen him in a Notre Dame uniform. You have no idea what it's going to look like, right. and especially playing that big end position. Like, what exactly is that going to look like? Again, I think it could be good, but I haven't seen it. Jordan Patelho played 100-something snaps last year, very talented, and in spurts, he was very productive. But what's it going to look like over 350, 400 snaps? I have no right. idea. Joshua Burnham, you saw him like, what, four snaps last year, five snaps? Right. It was like a very low amount. I think he could be a stud, but I haven't seen it. We're, what's the player that you keep hearing about? Jason Onye, unblockable this spring. That's and awesome. the one practice we saw, it was pretty accurate, you know? I- and I love to hear it, man, because Notre Dame needs that type of dude on the interior to be an a consistent playmaking presence or a guy that is a, a, a wreaker of habit, like you havoc. You need that type of guy. But I have never seen Jason Onye do that in a football game before. Mm-hmm. Never seen it except in right. high school. Like I haven't seen right. it. So that's yeah, like seventeen I'm, sacks his junior year, which is right. nuts. I mean. Right. You know, it's but it's Rhode Island football, right? There's a big yes. jump from where he is in Notre Dame. So, and that's the thing is, Ryan, okay, we saw it in April. Great. That's awesome. That gives me excitement for what's going to happen in the fall. But, you know, what you do in all, April doesn't determine, oh, it doesn't automatically mean you're going to be able to do that when Ohio State comes to town or when you right. head to, you know, to, to Clemson or when you're trying to chase Caleb Williams. And even more so when you get into the postseason and you're playing in the playoff. The potential doesn't win you championships. Production does. Execution does. Playmaking does. And so that's why that group uh, needs to get there. And and I would say present term, I, I, I like the talent. Moving forward, this 2024 class is going to be a key ingredient to whether or not Notre Dame can maintain what we've seen moving forward. So you've got the young talent needs to step up. Your 23 class, very low floors, very high ceilings. You've got to hit there. And then 25, you you need to get Justin Scott, right? You need to have some success there and then build on that if you're going to get there because I do think it's easier when you have some studs. And I think there's a potential to have some really young stars. What I don't think about the offensive defensive line this year, Ryan, is I think they have a chance to have some really good players. What I think this unit reminds me a lot, lot of from a potential standpoint of the guys we expect to play is a lot like the 2018 defensive line. There was no stars on that defensive line. Jerry Tilly was not a star. He had one great game against Stanford, and that made him an All-American. He was just a good player most of the year. Khalid Kareem, really solid player. Adi Takuba Ogandizi, great rotation player. Dalen Hayes, great rotation player. Julian Aguara could get after the quarterback. None of them were stars. You just had as a unit, they were really good. I think this D-line has a chance to be like that. Maybe no stars, but a different guy can step up. And that was the thing I loved about the 2018 D-line, Ryan, is it was a different guy stepping up in every big game. It was Tillery that took over against Stanford in a 6 versus 7 matchup. It was Khalid Kareem that stepped up in the fourth quarter against Michigan. It was Khalid that made the huge sack at the end of the pit game. Akwara had some big moments in, in situations. Khalid, I mean, uh, Julian gets hurt against uh, Clemson, has to come off for a play. It's third down. And what do they do? They bring in Adi Takuba Ogundiji to replace Julian. He sacks Trevor Lawrence and knocks him out of field goal range, right? Like you just different guys stepped up. That's what this unit needs to be. Cause I don't see a guy in the veteran junior senior classes right now. That is going to be a Jalen Carter or even an Isaiah Foskey by himself. What sure. 2021 version of, but as a unit, I think they could be very good. 
where I get optimistic about the future and why the 24 class is so important, especially getting Justin Scott, is between Josh Burnham and Tyson Ford in the 22 class, between the upside that you and I believe that uh, Bubakar Traore and Armel Mukum and Brennan Vernon and Devin Houston have in the 24-3 class, you if you can add one more stud talent in 24, which is Justin Scott, all of a sudden I start saying, now maybe you do have the pieces in place to have an elite defensive line. I just don't think they have that now. Right. I think if we're going to talk about this D-line being a driver of a championship, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be a very key ingredient that could get right on the cusp of that. But it's a D-line that can be good enough to get you there. Is it a D-line that you're going to win the title because your defensive line dominated Georgia or dominated Bama or dominated Ohio State? I don't know if it's there yet. It can play good enough with your other pieces to help you win a championship, potentially. Getting getting a coach that can develop the young players, whether that's Al Washington or somebody else, and landing Justin Scott in 24, to me, are the keys to the final, final step, which is getting it to that next level. That's That's my take on that. So there's two steps for this defensive line to make. I don't know if they can make both of them this year. I think they have a chance if they can get Justin Scott and continue to, you know, get the kind of coaching that you need to maybe get there in 24 and 25 at this position. Thoughts on that? Well, from a physical perspective, it's going to look like a SEC defensive line when you start talking about the Justin Scott's, the Devin Houston's, the Bubakar Traore's, the Armel Mookum's, like all those guys look the part, right? They all look the part. Right. Yeah, Joshua Burnham, obviously including that as well. Justin Scott has a much higher floor than a couple of those guys I I talked about, right? So it really is going to come down to development. It really is. I mean, for as many, for as much as some people like to bag on the 2023 defensive line class, and I get it, right? I get it because you missed out on Keon Keeley and Jason Moore. Like I completely understand why that was the narrative and why people fought back against it. You still signed a really talented four-man class, and I would put up just from a God-given tools perspective with just about anybody in the country. It's a top just, 10 easily unit on upside that yeah. maybe could argue for top five to six. Would you say yeah. that's fair? I think it's very fair. Upside-wise. The problem, I mean, you're talking, however – go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Oh No, I was going to say that the, the crazy part is that your shortest guy is six foot four plus – you have length everywhere, explosiveness, but it's just one of those situations where, as a coach, you need to bet on yourself to get the most out of those guys. Right. Like they're the not finished products. Really slow. Yeah, exactly. With all with with all of them except maybe Devin Houston, the floors are lower. It just yeah. is for different reasons. Whereas receive the difference between D line and receiver to me, Ryan, is the receiving core has a chance to be that driver of a championship now. Right. The tools are there for the receivers to be that this year, not to the level LSU was. I'm not saying that, but to where can they be better than what Georgia had this year? Yeah, absolutely. Does Notre Dame have a Devontae Smith on their receiving core this year? No, of course not. But Bama had a receiving core that won a title with Slade Bolden starting in the slot. You know what I mean? So like the top to bottom depth could be excellent for this group it's not as good one two as marvin harrison and mecca egbuka it's not it's not the ohio state group but when you combine it with an elite running back room a big time quarterback room an elite o-line room 
this unit could be really, really good. The ceiling of a we can carry team look because receiving receivers, Ryan, to me, it's easier to jump from nothing to something at receiver than it is the defensive line. We see it all the time, right? We see guys that go from hardly playing at all to big time playmakers. We've seen it at Notre Dame several times. D line usually it's a it's a progression. Well, Foskey went from redshirting, playing some special teams as part of the four redshirt rule to four and a half sacks to then he breaks out. Yeah. Right. And so that's why you know I, I want to I want to pump the brakes a little bit on the some of the hype about Josh Patelho because maybe it's not this year that that maybe this year he shows flashes, but then it's next year he he becomes that dude maybe. So it just usually takes a little bit more of a jump, a progression. For that to happen. But the depth of it, though, is what I feel good about, Ryan. It's like I don't need a bunch of guys to kind of play to their potential. Like Notre Dame's going to rely on guys like Howard Cross and Nana Osafa Mensa to be good rotation players this year, good depth players. There's no guys like that, a receiver, that they're counting on. They're counting on guys that can be dudes. Yeah. That's the difference for me and why I still say the D line can be really good. And it has a chance to be a, a part of an, an elite defense, but it, I don't think it has the same upside as like the running back room, the receiver room, the O line room. I just I don't see that just yet. Right. There's just there's just a lot of question marks in that room, man. And that's one of those spots where we keep talking about it. Like you need to add you, from a recruiting perspective, you need to keep adding in impact defensive line talents. You need to. I mean, you have to. I mean, because there's just there's too much variance between some yeah. players, right? It's like even Jordan Patel, who I think is going to have a really good season for Notre Dame, it's like he could break out or he could be too inconsistent for you to play on a full-time basis. Like there's right. a lot of variance between some of these players, which is why you need to keep building. You need to find more high-impact talent that also has high floors. Right. Like you need to find those types of kids. I will say this. If this defensive line, we've been very hard on Al Washington here, and we'll continue to do so until he does a better job. But I will say this. Recruiting is a big concern for me without Washington, and it it's just going to remain that way for uh, until he makes some changes. But as a coach, he has a great opportunity this year to prove himself as a coach because the town in the room is such that they should be pretty good. Yeah, but if they if he can get them beyond pretty good, then I think you have to give him a ton of credit for that because there are a lot of guys that need to be coached. That's also one of my concerns because he is a question mark for me as a coach. But if he if if this group is really good, you're not going to be able to spin it and say, well, I don't give him a lot of credit because look how talented that room is. Well, of course you had a top five D line. Look, look, look at how good. I mean, a bunch of first round pick. No, you, you can't say that. Right. And so he's got a chance to prove himself and, and really silence some of the critics like me uh, by putting this putting this group and getting a lot of production. And I hope he does. I always hope that it co- there's only been one coach that I've ever kind of rooted against at Notre Dame. And that's Brian McGorder because he was not a good person. I wish Dell Alexander would have proved me wrong. I wish Jeff Quinn would have proved me wrong. Oh, there's a second one. I, I, I didn't care much for Terry Joseph either. But all the other coaches I've been critical of, I hope Al Golden makes me look like a fool this year for doubting his defensive That would be great. And so I hope Al Washington is one of those guys that just say, okay, yeah, I'm a lot more comfortable with him now than I was a year ago. And that's, that's where I'm at with him. The last two, Ryan, we're going to talk about linebacker and safety as we wrap this up and they're different linebacker to me is a group that is second to last when it comes to my confidence level in a position group as far as where it is, but it should be so much better. It should be so much better. 
And I've seen people say, well, they just need a couple more linebacker club. No, they don't. There's the talent on the roster right now for this to be a top 15 national position group, which gets you into that second category flat out right now. And that's the frustrating thing is there's no excuse to play, keep playing Maris Lewis out if he plays like he did last year, anything close to it. There's none. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse to continue to put Jack Kaiser in some of the positions you put him in last year where he just wasn't built to succeed there because you have other players like Jalen Sneed and, and Jaden Osbury who can, and your Nichols, Thomas Harper and Clarence Lewis, who can play in those matchups. That's a coaching issue, right? When you talk about, you know, you've got your veterans who, who are, I think, more athletic people give them credit for, especially J.D. and Marist. Jack Kaiser in certain roles is really productive. We saw this in the scrimmage on Saturday because they were using him inside and in sort of a blitzing role because it was a blitz day. And he was consistently getting because he's a pretty good blitzer, right? I, I would argue he was their best blitzing linebacker last year from an effect in the standpoint. I thought he was. And and so, but you got to use him correctly. But then after that, Nolan Ziegler, you don't have a lot of teams that have six foot three, 230 pound linebackers that run like Nolan Ziegler does. You just don't. Not many teams have guys that are as twitchy and explosive athletically as Jalen Sneed. You just don't. And you don't have many teams that brought in a freshman class like the one Notre Dame did with primarily Drake Bowen and Jaden Alsbury. There's no excuse for this position group not to be a top 15 unit this year. It's all going to come down to coaching and consistency. And so the, right now they're at the bottom of my list based on what we've seen and some of my question marks without Golden. But it's a, it's not a hard – it's really not a complex fix, Ryan. It's not one of those things where, like, man, you just need all these – you just need to start letting these kids play to their ability. That's It's really that simple. Yeah. And that's why I think this group could surprise some people this year, but also why I'm just not as confident that they will as I am, like I am with like the wide receivers, for example. I, I also just, I don't know if I trust the coaching staff to play the more talented players is like my biggest hang up. You know, it's like, I can get excited all I want about Nolan Ziegler being 6'3", 230 and athletic. I can get all excited about Jalen Sneed being pound for pound, one of the most athletic players on the football field for Notre Dame. I can get excited about Jay Nosberry just balling out. It seems in his first spring, Drake Bowen looking like one of the best athletes at linebackers and inside linebacker position. But I ultimately just don't know how much burn they're going to get, man. Like, I just really don't know. I mean, if you told me Nolan Ziegler started some football games for Notre Dame this year, I would be able to believe you because I'd be like, he's a talented kid. That makes sense. But if you told me Nolan Ziegler barely played this year, just an exclusive backup role, I'd be like, I also believe you because the, uh, what what yeah. evidence do I have that he is going to get a right. fair shot at playing? Like, I don't have that evidence, you know? And it's right. Jalen Steed needs to play. Yes. Drake Bowen, I think Drake Bowen needs to play in some capacity. I'm not saying start him. There's Michael, no like, he needs reason to, to redshirt Drake Bowen this year. None. Yeah. None. Drake Bowen is, and same with Jaden Osbury. They are not five year players. Jaden Osbury, maybe physically, maybe. You say, hey, look, we need to build him up and get him. And I would somewhat buy that. But honestly, the odds of Jaden Osbury being a five-year player are not great. They're yeah. not. Drake Bowen's not a five-year player. Even if that just means you're starting them on special teams game one and saying, we're going to get those kids ready to go because I want them running down on kickoff by the time Col the team from Columbus shows up. Man. You know what I mean? I'm like I'm, ha I'm having visions of Nolan Ziegler, Drake Bowen, and Jaden Osbury running down yes. on kickoff. Man. Oh, yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, with, <laughs> with Maris? Because Maris is pretty good on special teams. 
Yeah. Like he's a very good special teams player. Jack Kaiser's a pretty darn good special teams player. I mean, you have a chance to have some some linebackers that can flat. I had a buddy of mine who who's coached against Notre Dame in the past. And he said this, he goes, he was talking about the 2018 team. And he's like, I was like, you know, why are their coverage units so good? And he's like, because they have a bunch of 235, 30 pound kids run four fives running at you. It's like most (laughs) teams don't have that. And that's where the linebacking core is again now, in my opinion, because back then he was talking about like Oz. I mean, you had, you had Tavon Coney who was on special, but you had like Drew Tranquil as a four or five guy. He was talking about like Bo Bauer as a freshman because Bo played a lot of special teams that year. Bo Bauer only played a fifth year because of COVID. Bo Bauer never redshirted. He play, and, and that's exactly to me how how Drake Bowen should be. Uh, you had Shane, Shane Simon at some, at played some games that year. He redshirted, but he still played the four games. You had uh, uh, Asmar Bilal, you know, who could absolutely fly. He was another four or five guy. So, I mean, you've got that now. You've got these linebackers going to flat out run. And so put them on special teams and and give those guys a chance to to grow. And so the potential's there, Ryan. But it, it, again, it's it's this word we keep using with Notre Dame right now. It's potential. The potential's there. But until we stop using that word as much as we are, it's going to be a, well, they were good, but that's the conversation. They were good, but if they would have done this, this, or this. And that's been the story with Notre Dame for too many years, Ryan, where yep. it was a coach, something coaching-wise or recruiting-wise that was not – uh, well, it's just the way Notre Dame is. No, it's you. You allowed that to happen, and you're the reason that that happened. It's a linebacker play. If they're not a top 15 national linebacking core this year, and again, we're not talking about like top five, top ten. They need to be that. Just give me top 15. Then that's a coaching problem. I'm sorry. I'm not blaming JD Bertrand, and I'm not blaming Maris Lufau either because it's not like Maris isn't trying. Right. I mean, he's trying. So if you keep throwing him out there and he keeps making the same mistakes over and over again. That's on you. That's on you as a coach. Right. And so uh, there's just a lot of those guys, Ryan. Go ahead. I I think the mission of this coaching staff moving forward, and this is just kind of overarching thing. It's not even talking as much about the linebackers. But if I'm the coaching staff, one thing that I think Marcus Freeman has done a tremendous job of since coming into the program, even just as a defensive coordinator initially – is he's raising the ceiling of expectations from an athlete perspective at Notre Dame, right? What, a, what an athlete at Notre Dame looks like. But you must also start raising the floor, right? Like I think that's one thing that there's too wide of a gap between what the ceiling is and what the floor of some of these players and positions are. That thing needs to verge a little bit. And I, when I say it merges, for people that are watching on YouTube, I'm not saying the ceiling starts to – go down and meets the floor. No, I'm saying the ceiling stays high, but the floor starts raising. That's what we need if Notre Dame is going to be that team. Because you mentioned it early before this conversation even started about Notre Dame, is that Georgia is elite in a couple areas that we talked about, but they're also just good at everything else. Really good everywhere else. It's like, like, what was the worst position for Georgia last year? Corner, where they still have like Keely Ringo and stuff? Like, come on, man. Like, that's the worst? All right. Right. The worst spots, Kenny McIntosh and Dejon Williams and Branson Robinson. Like, it's still very good. It's just – And Kendall Milton, he's healthy. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's where Notre Dame's got to get to, and they're not there everywhere yet, Ryan. But I think with these positions – like somebody said in the chat, somebody said – they said with an inexperienced D line, we need the linebackers to play lights out this year. I don't think Notre Dame has an inexperienced defensive line. That, that that's not an issue. Experience, it's proven production. None yeah. of these guys have been in the roles that they're going to be asked to do. Jordan Patel's played a lot of football at Notre Dame. Yeah. Riley Mills has played a lot of football. 
Junior Tualamaka played a decent amount of football last year. He played at some Viper late in the year. Howard Cross has played a ton of football. Gabriel Rubio played a ton of football last year. Javante Jean-Baptiste has played a ton of football. Nana has played a ton of football. Even Alexander Ehrensberg has gotten some, some playing time. They don't have an experience problem. They have a proven pr- lack of proven production problem. That's the difference. And so I think that that – that's that's where the conversation is with the where with the the linebacking core it's you just got to be the best version of yourselves consistently because there's a couple games we could point to last year where i said man if i could get that out of maris lulfow every week you got something you know jd bertrand is is sort of the opposite jd had some really bad moments but overall was a pretty good linebacker i thought for notre dame last year you got to clean up those bad moments though jack kaiser for me was more of a he had one really bad scrape against uh, against it was I think Cal that resulted in like a twenty something yard run. We're like, what are you doing? Outside of that, Jack's issues were more of why are you putting him in that position? Not so much Jack doing something wrong. And if you start using Jack more of a he's really good here, and, and that's what it boils down to. I don't think Clark Lee was necessarily a a a guy that was successful because. He's so wicked smart. I think Clark Lee is very smart. But where where Clark was good, especially his first couple of years, I didn't think his last year was as good because I think he kind of knew he was going to kind of be out. But what I thought made the 2018 team so successful, for example, Ryan, is, yeah, there was stuff they had to learn, but his whole thing is I'm going to tailor what I'm asking these guys to do around what they can do. And I've made this point before. I sat with Coach Lee, and I was interviewing him, and we ended up talking ball for like two hours. It was great. The SID left. That would never happen now. But we just talked ball for two hours. And he said, he's told me a story. He said, he's like, you know, I'm sitting here. i just taken over, and we're going over our roster. And all these coaches are just kind of like talking about, well, this guy can't do that, and this guy can't do that. And he's like, he's like, he's like everybody stop talking. Everybody stop talking. Stop telling. This is what he said to them. Stop telling me what these kids can't do. Tell me what they can do. And we'll build our defense around that. And if Al Golden takes a similar approach, this is what I believe in as a defensive coordinator, but I'm going to tailor it to what the guys that I have right now can do. Then I think this defense is going to surprise some people and be, because it wasn't bad last year. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as it needed to be or had been, but your defense played well enough for you to win 11 games last year, 11 games last year. And I'm talking regular season. Not bowl game. I'm talking regular season because you didn't give up 38 points on defense against South Carolina. They scored three non-offensive touchdowns in that game. Okay, you you played well enough to win every game except USC. They didn't play well enough to win that game. You played. You held Ohio State to 21 points. 21 points. Your defense played well enough to win that game. You held, you lost a game to Stanford and only gave up 16 points. You only gave up 19 offensive points to Marshall. Defense isn't why they lost four games last year. Defense is why they lost one, kind of, because offense didn't help much. Yeah. So it, your baseline's still good. We're talking about winning a championship. They didn't play championship football last year. And so if the biggest questions we have on this team are defense, and that's what turns out to be true in the season, then this team's going to be really good. But those questions on defense getting answered are going to be the difference of if this is a 10-2, and 11-1 team that goes to the postseason and gets beat, or if they're a team that can finally take that step. That's what we're going to find out. 
And and so uh, linebacker is a position needs it, it has a chance to get there. Here's the position group that I'm most concerned about, uh, future wise. But I'm not I'm not sure if I'm as concerned about it this year. I'm back and forth, Ryan. It depends on the day. Yeah. And and that is this safety. It's the last position group to discuss because. I think the safety group was solid last year. I think it has a chance to be solid again this year. Solid doesn't win you a championship, though. And that's what the standard of what we're discussing today is. I don't think the safeties are going to be bad this year. I think they're going to be fine. The question is, can they be good enough to go beat Georgia? Can they be good enough to go beat Bama? Can they be good enough to beat Ohio State, USC, and Clemson, or at least two of those three, and then beat everybody else? Are they good enough to beat Michigan? Are they good enough to beat... You know, Oklahoma, are they good if, if Oklahoma bounces back and gets back to the way they used to be? All those teams, Ryan, that's a position group I'm not sure about. And what I need to see is I don't know how much – I don't know if there's a lot they can do this year to fix it as far as the future. This is the one position group left on the roster, Ryan, that I would argue is a traditional Notre Dame position group of the last 20 years. And what I mean by that is – if everything goes right, you got a chance to be pretty good. Because if your starting lineup is Xavier Watts at his best and Ramon Henderson at his best, and then veteran DJ Brown is a rotation guy, and then you know maybe you move somebody over, whatever the case may be, that's a pretty good safety core if everything goes right. Yeah. Like the, the, they can't afford an injury at all. No. They can't afford Ramon being inconsistent. They can't afford – I mean, there's it, just the margin for error is razor thin with the safety depth chart. That's my biggest question mark, and I don't know that there's anything that they're going to be able to do to fix that right now. And it's going to require recruiting down the road to fix that. And they had a solid safety class that got that, that took a big hit when Brandon Hillman couldn't get into school. Took a big, big hit. You got a chance to have a really good safety class in 2024 if you can get three of – you know, the Kennedy Erlacher, uh, Jalen McClain, Davis Andrews, Dewan Lane, Marquise Gallegos. Give me three of those five, and, and okay, you're on your way. But this is a position group to me that still looks very much like a traditional Brian Kelly and then pre-Brian Kelly depth chart, which is, yeah, maybe it could be good, and on paper it has a chance. But if one thing goes wrong, you're screwed. And you're going to have to move somebody there. And that's just been the story of this position group for a while. I mean, think about it. If it wasn't for position position switches what would the safety depth chart look like right now yeah. it'd be terrible and so that's where my concern comes at that position ryan it, this is the one that i feel least confident in rising really high into the second category they can can they get to the second category absolutely if everything goes according to plan the safety de- depth chart this year will be good it'll be in that second category but you never want to be in a situation where you have to say if everything goes according to plan. Because you know what happens in college football? That almost never happens. It almost sure. never happens that way. You'll get the magical season like LSU had in 2019. But Alabama had to overcome adversity in 2020. Georgia had to overcome adversity in 2021. They had some injuries they had to overcome in 2022. They had to, there's a lot of different – they had to overcome some games. They were down and had to come back and – you know, you, you see that all the time. Clemson had to overcome adversity in 2018. Alabama had to overcome adversity in 2017. I mean, just go on and on and on and on. Things just don't go according to plan all the time. 
And yeah. so, and that's not a knock on LSU because that's a special team. It's just, it's not like they caught a break. I mean, you could have lost one of your receivers and still been really freaking good. It's just the point that that was just one of those freaky years where they didn't have to suffer a ton of injuries and a lot of those things. Everything just kind of went according to plan. That's the anomaly. And that's the concern I have for safety, Ryan. Well, and, and there's a couple ways that it could be rebuilt as far as adding impact depth to it. I mean, I know Chris O'Leary talked about, I think, in his press conference today about, you know, looking at safety in the transfer portal after the right. spring, right? Like, I mean, you know, could you find someone there that could impact your team in 2023? When a, when a it's coach is having to openly talk about that in the middle of spring ball, that's yeah. a problem. Normally, you want to say, hey, look, we're not worried about that right now. I like the group that we have, and you know, but that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And, and he said something like he's already had conversations with his team about with the safety room about it, right? So right. like, it's it's not a great situation. And what, which I I still think is a mistake. I don't think yeah. there's a safety in the portal that I could think of that could help you more, in my opinion, Clarence Lewis. And I don't know why they're so hesitant to, to make that move. I have no clue, no clue. Yeah, I have none. It makes no sense to me. But they're just the, the utter refusal to try Clarence Lewis to safety blows my mind. Just give him a shot at it. If he can't tackle well enough or whatever, that's fine. Then you go to the portal. But to not explore that opportunity this year in spring ball makes no sense to me whatsoever. None. None. You know You know what else is a little troubling about the whole situation too, Brian, is I think that most of us, and for I think pretty good reason, have just kind of penciled in that Xavier Watts is going to be a breakout star this year, right? Where you're right. just like, yep, he's going to be a dude. But what if but- he isn't? What if he isn't? What if he gets injured? God forbid. Like, there's situations that happen where you're like, man, our best safety on the roster is Ramon Henderson. And what if he doesn't become more consistent? Like, what if he doesn't? You, you have no answers at that point. Mm-hmm. Then you're just like grasping for strong. We're like, I need someone to move now out of desperation instead of, you know, being proactive with it. Or, you know, maybe Ben Minnitz or Don Schuler need to play as freshmen and maybe they're not ready. Like, you're just in a situation where you have to kind of force the issue but not forcing the issue because you want to or that you think someone's ready, forcing the issue out of desperation. And you never want to get desperate at, to make a move like that because that's where that's where bad things usually happen. Desperation kind of breeds right. that, right? So I, I think that for me it's just a really tough situation because, again, like you said, we could be in a situation looking back where we're like, man, Xavier Watts turned into one of the best players on the defense sure. and Ramon Henderson was solid and we're all good there, right? But – that is still – it's like that situation we talked about last spring where you're like, yeah, well, if all this stuff hits, it's going to be really good, right? But then what if the chance that a few of it doesn't hit or all of it doesn't hit? I mean, mm-hmm. you're just putting a small margin for error for safety be, to become a very big issue. Because, right. I mean, honestly, what's the answer? What's the answer of Xavier Watts got for big gets hurt? What's the answer? I don't know what the answer is. I don't think the coaches know the answer right now either, which is unsettling to be where we are right, right. now. Well, and, and and that's kind of Ryan, where you 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 say that that and 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 you've had two you years. Off. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just saw like Michael said, like you can move Thomas Harper. It, you no. can, but then what happens at nickel? Thomas like, Harper was not. You did not recruit Thomas Harper to Notre Dame because of what he did as a safety. You recruited Thomas Harper to Notre Dame because of what he did as a nickel. So now you're hurting yourself at another position to fix the safety position, and that makes no sense. He was not recruited to play safety. He was recruited to play nickel. 
and would also, and so I would also hurt another position. Yes. Because then what are you doing to do at nickel? And now you're talking about you're not as good. Look, Clarence Lewis can play some nickel. He's not as good as Treat Bracey was. Thomas Harper yeah. can be every bit as good as Treat Bracey was if he can be healthy. And and that's the problem. You you can't get in a situation where you're going to hurt yourself at one position. It hurt them at receiver last year, Ryan. It did. Not being able to put Xavier Watts at wide receiver hurt your wide receiver room last year. Yeah, But you had to because you also weren't very deep at safety, and you knew that once you get through this season, you knew you were going to lose Brandon Joseph. You knew you were going to lose Houston Griffith. Then you probably thought you were going to lose D.J. Brown. And and so you're, you're just in one of those situations where you couldn't move him because you knew you are going to need him this season and and in future seasons. So it, it, it's the position clear that, that I'm most concerned about, and Chris O'Leary is going to have to really step up this offseason as a recruiter. And, yeah, they right now – they need to go to the portal if they're not going to move Clarence Lewis. I still think that's a mistake. I don't get that, but you know, that's just where they are. I, I we can complain about it all we want, Ryan, but it, yep. we we can't us complaining about it, it's not going to change the fact that they're not going to move him. Yep. And so, yeah, they're going to have to look at the portal. But it's so odd for a position coach to be to be openly talking about that. Um. And, you know, and he said all the right things, you know, there's, it's not a weak link and all this other kind of stuff. But when you're talking about kind of going into a situation where you're openly talking about the transfer portal, that's, you're, that's a, you're, yeah. you're saying a lot without maybe not exactly saying it, right? Like you're, you're making a statement by having that conversation and you can't dispute that, right? Like he doesn't have to tell us that he's worried about the safety depth. When in the same vein, when the same breath, he's talking about having to go to the portal out of necessity. Like that's kind of where we are right now. So it's unfortunate, but that's where we are. So Ryan, that's kind of where I am. I feel like right now to wrap up, Notre Dame has, and we're going to get to a mailbag next. So we're we're not going anywhere. But to wrap up, I think comfortably we can put the running back room, the the offensive line room, and the cornerback room in the category of can be championship drivers. Yeah, quarterback is is up for debate, but we're confident that it can get there this season. Receiver is tight end is a, is a position group that I'm comfortable right now putting in that sort of, it can be a key contributor because of track record and talent in the room. And then when I look at the rest of the position, Ryan, you know, there's, there's two types of not there yet. There's the not there yet because they're just, we haven't seen it yet. That to me is receiver and D line. We haven't seen it yet, but the potential is there for it to be in that second category. Receiver, maybe even sort of in the first category, maybe. I think that's that's a that's probably asking a little bit too much in this season. I think yeah. it can definitely be like a high second category for sure, and then maybe twenty four, it can jump up and be that group. But there's a lot of talent. Same with the D line, linebacker to me needs to be squarely right in the middle of that second group because that's where top fifth being a top fifteen unit, right? To me put you in the middle of that second, you know, key contributor category. You're not on the verge of it. Cause to me on the verge of it, you gotta be top 10. And then top five is when you're in the, you're in the first group. I mean, if you're yeah. a top five unit in the country, you're, you're in that top group. I think the running back, Notre Dame has a top five running back room. I think Notre Dame has a top five cornerback room. I think Notre Dame has a top five offensive line room. I think they're top, they're borderline top five at quarterback. We just need to see Sam. Like you, you made a great point, right? Like if Sam would have transferred after 2021, and started at Notre Dame last year, we we would know and we'd be having a different conversation. We'd be exactly. having a different conversation about a lot of things, including Notre Dame's record last year. 
but uh, you know, but it's got the potential. But we're trying to be as a, if there's any doubt in our minds, we don't put him in that group. I think because if there is any doubt, then they can't be that. They can't be that, right? And and so, but they're they're there in that category. I, I think when I look at the receiver room right now, they're top twenty with the potential this season to quickly jump into top ten. Can they be top five? I think they might need another year for that, in my view. So uh, tight end room, I think they're top 10 right now with a chance to be top five when when everybody gets proven. Now the question is going to be, can they be top one or two like Georgia is or like Notre Dame was last year? No, I don't think so, but they don't need to be. That's the difference. Georgia's tight end room needed to be as good as it was last year because they didn't have an elite receiver room. Notre Dame needed Michael Mayer to dominate last year because they didn't have the, the production at the other positions. Notre Dame can ask its receivers this year to be more complimentary than they did last year. But that's also why it's important for the receivers to step up. Because if they don't, I don't think Notre Dame has a tight end room that can carry the team, which is why I don't have them in that category anymore. Sure. And so, um, you know, I, I I think that's the other part too, Ryan, is, is D-line I think right now is top 25 nationally, maybe top 20 just on potential and what we have seen from these groups, it it needs to be – I'm very confident that it will be top 15 pretty quickly. The question is, can it get to top 10 or not? That's the question no. mark. Linebacker room, same deal. It's top 25 right now. I'm confident that as long as it's just – just do the, the basic stuff as a coach. They'll be top 15, and if Al Golden really handles things right, they can be top 10, in my opinion. Top five, no. They don't have the talent right now to be top five because all their best players are still a little too young for me to think that they can be top five. That's my opinion. You may disagree, and you can if you want. Safety position group, to me, has no shot at being better than top 20. But it goes back to our earlier point of you don't need every position group to be top 10 to win a championship. You just need to make sure you don't have any that are top 30 or top 40. And that's kind of what hurt Notre Dame last year is there was a couple position groups that – we're borderline top 25, if that. And that's the thing about Georgia. Georgia doesn't have a single position group that's top 25, like down that low. They're all top 10 to 15, every single one. And a lot are, and then you have a, a bunch of them are in top 10. If you if you were to rank position groups last year, Ryan, I think the tight end room and the linebacker room are the or the defensive line room are the only two that I would say for sure for Georgia last year were top five nationally. The only ones, in my opinion. We could debate the def- offensive line. I think they're in the conversation. Yeah. But it's not a no-brainer. The, the, the reason that Georgia was so good is, A, they were coached exceptionally well. But B is, and I think people need to understand this, is they were top 10 everywhere, in my opinion, last year. Except maybe receiver. That's what I would say. Maybe running back. But yeah. they were so good at those other positions that I thought it, it, it you make up for it. And that's the whole point is you don't necessarily have to be a loaded roster top to bottom. You have to be really good everywhere and have a couple at the right spots to be good. But the point is, two of the positions we were having a conversation with about Georgia being top five last year was D-line and offensive line. And that's the key. That's the key Which for Notre Paramount. Yeah. Right. It's really paramount. Right. Because also you were replacing three linebackers that had played the year before, right? And, I mean, the Dumas Johnson kid and then the um, the other kid, number two, is, is it Small Mondin, I think is his name, yes. right? Like yeah. you have those two guys coming uh, that were first-year players. They are both sophomores 
But hey, you, your defense line was so good. It's like those right. kids can just run, man. You like, could live with their mistakes. Play. You exactly. could live with their mistakes because they were both redshirt freshmen or sophomores, true sophomore yep. players, true second year players. You could live with their mistakes because you were so good everywhere else. Yep. Whereas when Notre Dame's players, linebackers made mistakes, they didn't have a safety room that could overcome it. Notre Dame safeties were really good when they could play within the framework of the system. But when they had to make plays to overcome the linebackers, they weren't good enough to do it. And that's yep. the problem. And, 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 Dumas, and Dumas Johnson and Munden ended up being very good players for them yes. last year. They ended very up being productive. And, and now you're yeah. going into this year where you're like, that's two, that's one of the better duos in college football Correct. at linebacker returning in 2023. I mean, that's it's a cyclical thing, Correct. but it works. And the right. but the one thing that is not cyclical, that is very much linear, is that Georgia's defensive line is again bananas in 2023 yes. than it was in 2022. That's right. where they are built. And that's why they have been consistent in one, two straight national championships because the most important positions they've been very good at. Winning inside out is where Georgia has really dominated the game. Because what do we get told all the time? You, to win a championship, you need a generational quarterback or top five quarterback. Well, Georgia just won two without that. Yeah. Yep. Well, you need elite playmakers on the edge. Georgia hasn't had that either the last two years. Have, haven't had that on the perimeter. Okay, well, okay. You need elite corners. Haven't had that either. Good corn, very good corners. No, where where has Georgia been elite? The trenches. Yep. But they're the point is they're really good everywhere. Yes. And then they've been elite at like tight end. They they were elite at tight end this year. There's no doubt about it because they had multiple guys that can make plays. And and so that's the thing is they were really good everywhere. And Notre Dame is just not there yet. They they have been elite at positions, and this is what I think a lot of Notre Dame fans miss is they have championship caliber units on this team right now. The question is, is there's too many position groups that are we're just not sure yet. Yeah. And that's the thing about Georgia is, okay, what's their linebacker room going to be? Is it going to be top five or top ten? We, we don't know the answer to that. What's the O-line going to be this year, Ryan, without Broderick Jones and they lost one other starter? Is it going to be top five or top ten? Right. The only, the only position group I think right now that Georgia has really question marks about whether they can be top ten or not is quarterback. But they're in a, such a unique position because they're so good everywhere else that they don't need their quarterback to be top 10. <laughs> True. I mean, Stetson Bennett was not a top 10 quarterback room in 2021. He was this year. I thought he was better this year. He was, he was more clutch this year, I would say that. How about that? But 2021, he didn't even begin the season as a starter. Came off the bench. And he threw for less than 3,000 yards that year. Yeah. 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 And and so, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different animal, man. So Notre Dame needs that at quarterback. The point is you have to be you have to have those other positions that are really strong. Notre Dame right now has too much of a gap between their best position groups and the ones at the bottom. Where Georgia's yeah. gap is like right here, right? Would you would you agree with that, Ryan? That's yes. where Ohio State is. Uh that's where but see also that's also partly why two years ago Ohio State lost two games in in the regular season. Why? Because they had some groups up here, too many groups down here. So they lose to Oregon. They get blown out by Michigan, right? Last year, some of those down groups down here kind of were up here or to here. So they were a lot better football team. They could beat Notre Dame late in the year. They could go out and, and almost and take Georgia down to the wire and almost beat Georgia. The 2021 Ohio State team gets blown out by Georgia. Blown out by Georgia. This last year's team didn't because they improved those areas. And that's going to be the key for Notre Dame this year, Ryan, is can they get those other areas to be better? Because what Notre Dame does not have is they don't have the quarterback receiver talent 
to overcome those issues the way that Ohio State was able to the last two years, in my opinion. And that's where, that's where to me, they can be soon, very soon they could be close to that. But that's why it's so important that the lines take the take the jumps, especially on the defensive line, the front seven, in my opinion. So I, I thought, I've talked a lot about this in Georgia, but I think it really aligns with this conversation is the difference between Notre Dame and Georgia right now is the depth that Georgia has. Yes. That is the difference, man. They can throw waves at you, man. And you're right. just like, shoot, man. Like, right. I don't know what to do with this right now. It's like Jalen Carter doesn't play. Oh, you know, just Bear Alexander and Warren Brinson are playing right. in the football game. Like Nazir Stackhouse. Like it, it's just one of those situations where – it's the waves, man. It's the right. waves well, of so many good football players. That's the depth, and that's what we're talking about with the peaks and valleys between the really good positions and the ones that aren't as great. Georgia's are very much closer because why? Because they've accumulated a lot of right. depth. And they've developed well right. so that you can lose a jail. How many teams in college football, honestly, Brian, can lose Jalen Carter and be like, we didn't really take that big of a step back. Right. Like we were still good. We were still really right. good on the interior. Not many well, remember Clemson that. in 2018, Dexter Lawrence gets suspended right before the playoff and he doesn't yeah. play in either game and, and did not miss a beat. Now yeah. just throw Niles Pinckney and I forget who the other kid they threw in there was. And it was just like, they're fine. Yeah. You know, they're, they're good. And there's just not a lot of teams that can do that. Whereas if Notre Dame loses Michael Mayer last year, there's a pretty big drop off because of some of the <laughs> other injuries. If, if you know, Notre, even losing Tyler Buckner was really crushing for them in some instances, but you know, we saw in the, in the, the Clemson Notre Dame game in 2018 is a perfect example. Clemson loses Dexter Lawrence. They don't miss a beat. Julian Love gets knocked out of that game and Notre Dame is just a different team. Yeah. It's a completely different team. And that's that's where you got to fix it. And at that position, I think that they have addressed it in a lot of ways, Ryan, at that position. At other positions, they, they have absolutely addressed that. But there's still safety and a couple other positions where you're like, boy, I just, I'm just not quite sure yet. But I, I think this is the, they've certainly moved the needle, in my opinion. Agreed. They've certainly moved the needle. And uh, we just have to find out if they can get there at some of those key spots. They're not there yet. But I'm a lot more optimistic that they're closer to those spots than we were. I mean, in you know, 2019, 2020, the running back room was, mm, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, and um, I mean, 2020, you make a playoff, you're going into that year, and you're like, okay, I don't know what Kyron Williams is going to do, and I have no clue if Chris Tyree is going to be ready to play as a freshman. And if, right, and now it worked out. Kyron broke out. Tyree had a really good freshman year. But if one of those guys gets hurt, you're screwed. You're, you're just screwed. And so those are the things that that you kind of get there, and you say you you're having less of that right now at Notre Dame, except at safety. That's the one position where they're still very much in that. You know, because here's the thing: if the safety struggle, they could safety is an important position in that you don't need stars, but you can't stink there either. If there's some injuries or guys don't play well and the D-line and, line, and, and linebackers step up, it may not affect Notre Dame in the regular season as much, Ryan, but it'll kill them in the postseason when a team gets a month to prepare for them. Right. And that's well, that's, I mean, that's the question mark. I mean, think back to the Ohio State-Michigan game last year, Brian. What was the worst position on the field for Ohio State's defense? It was the safeties, man. They blew multiple coverages in that game. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Like, they didn't need them to be great, but they were – Bad. And that's well, TCU game. had that a similar was... problem against Georgia. You're having a hard enough time playing Georgia. You can't be just blowing assignments and letting them score easy touchdowns. Yeah. Right. And the other difference is, is 
when when TCU blew coverages, Georgia's quarterback took advantage. Yep. When Georgia blew coverages, TCU's quarterback did not take advantage. And that's that's the difference. Yeah, or one of the many differences in that. But TCU had a very thin margin for error. Yes. Georgia did not. And that's where Notre Dame's got to get to. They're not there yet, but they're a lot closer. And here's the thing that people have to understand. Well, well they're not in position to win a championship. Why? Well, because this, this, and this are not. What y'all need to understand is it, it you don't have to be there all the time. You just need to be better on that one day that you play. That's that's the difference, in my opinion. And, you know, is no, it was Clemson really 44 to 16 better than Alabama in 2018? I don't think so. But they no. were on that day. They were on that day. Is was Ohio State like 49 to 28 better than Clemson in 2020? I don't think so. They were on that yeah. day. And that's that's the key. If if TCU and Michigan played a week later, I think Michigan beats them by 17 points. I, but they but that's that didn't matter what they would have done if they'd have played a week later. It just mattered what they did that one time. And that's, you know, that's kind of where I'm at, Ryan. You don't have to be the more t- – Michigan has not been more talented than Ohio State each of the last two times. They've lost to Ohio State. Would you Would you think that? Do you think? No. But they match up at certain spots very impressively, and Michigan can play in the trenches. What did Michigan's championship r- playoff runs the last few years be built around? O-line, D-line, running back. Yep. And good secondaries, but not great secondaries. Good linebackers, not great. Okay quarterback play. Okay receiver play. Good tight end play. Sound familiar? You, you know, so uh, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. We'll see if they can get there or not. That's going to be the big question, and that's what's so going to be so fun about this team. But I think what we see is Notre Dame is without question, in my opinion, and every data point backs us up to me is a top five program. It's just right now the gap between five and two and one is still pretty large, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. It's closing, but it's still pretty large. This year, we're going to find out just how much Notre Dame can close the gap, and it's it's going to be fun. It's and we have a schedule that's going to. There's no masking where you are like there was in eighteen and nineteen and twenty, and especially twenty twenty one. There's no masking your warts with this schedule. There's not, and I'm not even talking about just Ohio State, Clemson, USC. If you have some of the warts Notre Dame had nineteen and twenty and twenty one. And 22, you have to worry about them being exposed against NC State. You have to worry about them being exposed against Duke. You have to be ex- worried about them being exposed. Like, if your safety play stinks, I am not looking forward to playing Jeff Brom. I am not looking forward to playing Jeff Brom. Right? So there's plenty of teams like that that it, it, if you if you don't answer these questions, you're, you're just not worried about, oh, can you be 11-1? and one? You're like, can we be better than 8-4? Yeah. Right? But I'm confident. I'm a lot more confident they're going to meet those. And that's why my optimism about this. I'm confident that the talent linebacker or defensive line is going to sh- is going to be better than than maybe what what we're where they are right now, and it's going to be good. I think the receiving core is going to be good. I potentially really good. I'm very optimistic about this team. But it, we're at that point now, Ryan, where it's it's show me mode. It's show me mode. And some of the things that we're hearing this spring. Give me a lot of optimism. We're hearing about, we've been saying this for over a week now about Jason Onye. That makes me very optimistic. I've heard some things about Jalen Sneed and some certain packages is, makes me very optimistic. Uh, I'm hearing things about the kind of reps that guys like Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed are getting in practice. That makes me say, 
maybe Al Golden is doing what the changes that we need him to make. We're hearing things about how the receivers are performing in some practices. It makes us say, uh-oh, uh, this is going to be fun. Now we just need to see him put it all together, and that's going to be the key. Agreed. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag next, folks. But, hey, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you have not done so, folks, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Sign up for boards at a boards.irishbreakdown.com. Tons of intel. Some of the stuff that people are talking about now, you would have already known if you were on our message board. Uh, Ryan had a great recruiting intel piece this weekend from the recruiting visits. I had a team intel piece last week. I'm hoping to have another one come out this week. Just still waiting to hear back from a couple sources on that. So we'll try to have something on the defense coming up soon, but it will only be on the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Also, you can sign up for our uh, uh, newsletter, which is at the bottom. You can see the link to that as well. We'll send that out almost daily. We don't send it out every single day, but almost daily, uh, where it has all of our free content uh, that you'll find at irishbreakdown.com. You can also check out our merch store. If you know, we got shirts like this, the IB Nation shirts. Ryan's got his IB shirt on right now. I think you have an IB hat on as well. You can find the mugs. We have a, a couple new items on there. I actually got this random. I think I'm going to put this on the store. I got, I'm, I bought this for myself. It's a uh, mouse pad. I'm nice. going to put that in the store as well. It's really, it's a really good mouse pad. I, don't, I, I like to buy things and see if they're quality first before I put them into the store. And uh, I think I'm going to put that on there too. So you can definitely find that. And that link is also below in the description bar. So you're going to check that out as well. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.